From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 50. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. Fracture, photos printed in vivid color directly on glass, and Todoist, the task management app that's with you everywhere. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have pleasure to be joined by my lovely co-host, as I am every single week, the one and only Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello. And Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, Mike, what did you say all those nice things about Stephen and not about me? I said my lovely co-hosts. Oh, okay. Yeah, you are also of the lovely. So I'm also lovely, okay. You are very, you're very lovely. You're very okay. dear Hi, to me, Mike. Federico. Hello, How Federico. are you? I am very well. I am very well indeed. Congratulations, everyone. We have made it to episode 50. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, the in terms of wedding anniversaries, this should be the golden something. Yep, right? and if you look under your chairs, you will find that I have uh, prepared Apple Watch editions for you both today. Mm. Stephen, I understand you're at home, Federico. You're at home, right? Yes. Okay, great. I am. Then you'll then if you look just under your chairs, then you'll find them because I put them in those specific places for you. So. So I looked under my chair, and there's a Roomba. You know, one of those vacuum robots. Ah, uh, the Roomba ate the edition. Mm. Oh no, <laughs> robot or not, man? It's charging, <laughs> Mike. It's kind of scary. There's a light. Why is it under your chair? It's under the desk, actually. I don't if... know who left it here. I hope it's, it's charging not on because no, there's you know. like a green light and it says clean. I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean. <laughs> I think it maybe yeah. it ne- see that's confusing. Does it need does it need to be cleaned or is it cleaning? No, I, I I believe it's a button that you need to press when you want to clean. So, mm-hmm. Should I turn it on? Yeah, press just press it. See what happens. Okay. <laughs> the end of the podcast. Oh my god, it's making sounds and it's moving. <laughs> turn it off. Turn no, it off. no, 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 no. <laughs> How do I turn it off? <laughs> oh my god, okay? it's moving again. I don't know. It's making noises. All right. Well, we've just got that guy. <laughs> no. like, Fine, guys. The light is orange now, and it's beeping, and it looks like it's about to assault me. Just gonna start crawling up your leg. What do I do? It's it's not even mine. I would just leave it now. Yeah. Sh- should I just like throw it out of the window? Don't. No, <laughs> no. Not if it's not yours, I wouldn't do that. Gosh. Why did you make me do this? I I thought it might be fun to to have a roving Roomba reporter. It's got like little brushes underneath and they move very fast and it looks like a predator that's how it does the cleaning okay Stephen, wow. please take us into follow up let's talk about well we have uh, follow out follow way out into space yeah, I did wow. I made a um, Federico uh, is, is groaning in the background but uh, Jason and I did a space <laughs> show thing uh last over the weekend why don't you think i might be about this I, I can't tell if you're into space or not it's hard to tell um you can go check it out it's on the b-sides feed uh which is sort of where we put extras as a network uh episode 12 let us know if you like it uh we would like to maybe do uh more of these things in the future uh so your uh feedback would be uh welcome to jason and i it was a lot of fun to talk about uh pluto and pluto and stuff it'll be a, there'll be a link in this week's show notes Yes. Where could show notes be found? In space. Let's ask the Roomba. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not touching that thing again. Okay. Relay.fm slash connected slash five zero, the big 50. Right. 
But it's the edition episode today. You bet it is. We decided last week that would be the title, I think. Um, uh, So moving from follow-out to follow-up, we have a tweet from James Woods, period, on Twitter, um, asking Mike to follow up on being happy with Apple Music even though you couldn't stream for six days. And uh, You answered this on Twitter, Mike, but I thought it was an interesting question, actually one that uh, I wish I'd asked during the show. So how do you reconcile being happy with something that was broken for a week? So I'll just preface this again for anybody that doesn't remember. I was saying that last week uh, that there was seems to be there was some sort of DNS issue or something with Apple Music, which meant that some people in the UK couldn't listen to music on their Mac. They couldn't stream for a week. Uh, I was just fine with it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I knew what was happening there. Like there was a systems problem in specific scenarios and my iPhone sits on a dock which is elevated I have one of those high-rise docks by 12 south that's right mm-hmm. next to me so when I couldn't stream because anything that like I'd listened to recently seemed to be playable like it was cached in some way but it wasn't downloaded like I didn't download anything on the Mac so I don't know why I was doing that but some things it could play but anything that I wanted to stream or whatever I could just do it on my iPhone and it was just sitting right there and to be honest the quality difference like to my ears between my iPhone and the MacBook speakers are not massively different so I was just able to deal with it that way like if, for example, it's still today I was having this issue, it would have been really, really annoying. But in all honesty, it hit me like maybe four or five times over the space of a week. And I maybe listened to, like I maybe pressed play on Apple Music like 50 times in that time period. So it, it wasn't really that much of an issue. I get why maybe you would ask the question, but it wasn't a problem. Wow, Mike, I'm so disappointed in you i know i've let everybody down really don't you know that, that if you buy really good expensive headphones the music like completely changes <laughs> like you can hear sounds that not even on you know the strongest of, of acids you could hear those sounds oh, like yeah? it's day and night difference yeah <laughs> like you can hear colors you you can you can feel the guitar strings in your head it's very painful sometimes. Well, I don't really have much to say to that. but I'm just going to move on. Yep. Uh, we have spoken a lot about iCloud Drive as Dropbox replacement, as a backup, et cetera, et cetera. And we spoke briefly about versioning, something that Dropbox offers, a really nice uh, web interface for versioning. So I could go back and, and retrieve files that I've deleted or files that have been changed. And, of course, on the Mac, Time Machine offers this, the built-in backup utility in OS X. So I can go and I can pull up a folder or even a document and go back in time on my local Time Machine drive and pull old versions of it. Uh, there's some, some thoughts. We have a, a tweet in here um, in the show notes uh, about documents being versioned in iCloud Drive, but accessible through the Time Machine interface. And I got some emails about this too, and so I, w- I wanted to to clarify a, a little bit. Um, best I can tell, iCloud Drive documents, the documents that are in the, the iCloud containers and Finder, are not versioned by iCloud. If you go to the Time Machine interface and you go back in time, it is pulling those files from your Time Machine hard drive. So for me, I have a 3-terabyte hard drive plugged into my Mac, it's my Time Machine drive, and is pulling old versions of iCloud documents from there. Uh, I tried 
to recover old iCloud documents with that drive unplugged. It doesn't work. It gives you an error saying, you know, I'm looking for this volume. I need this hard drive attached. And so it doesn't seem like uh, this is a true thing. Uh, looking at Apple's website as well, they don't really mention versioning anywhere in the iCloud drive stuff. And so if versioning is important to you, I would say stick to Dropbox if you want your uh, documents you know, synced in, in the cloud somewhere. Dropbox offers a really nice system for that, and iCloud doesn't seem to offer really anything. So, so there's that. Dropbox leading the way. Yeah, I'm... I'm making a decision this week. Basically, I'm struggling to find a way to properly organize my screenshots for the iOS 9 review. And right now, I have a mess of screenshots in my in my in the Photos app. And I'm thinking, should I make an album in iCloud so it updates all the time on the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac? I don't know if it matters, but still, it'll be there. Or should I just go the, the old-fashioned way and create a bunch of folders in Dropbox and every time I know that a screenshot is going to be used, I can maybe, you know, I can also organize folders for like beta 4, beta 5, and each time I take the same screenshot so I can, you know, track changes across different beta versions of iOS 9. And I think I'm going to go with Dropbox because of the control that it gives me. You know, I can create folders, subfolders. And right now, iCloud Drive simply isn't an option if I want to do this kind of stuff. And also, I still don't completely trust it. So I think I'm going to go with Dropbox. Actually, I, I just talked myself into using Dropbox right now. So thank you, Stephen and Mike, for letting me talk to myself. <laughs> Sometimes the best decisions are the ones that you have to come to on your own. Yes, especially during follow-up. Yep, it's the only real time. <laughs> it's where I make all my big decisions. Uh, there are a couple of links in the show notes, too, from the chat room uh, discussing versioning and Time Machine stuff. Again, iCloud Drive is nowhere to be found in there. So um, it'd be nice if it could do it. I think the Time Machine interface is an obvious choice uh, of where to put that stuff, right? That's where you go now, and um, maybe you can switch between iCloud and Time Machine or something in the future. But uh, as for now, I think Dropbox is the way to go for most people if if you need that sort of control. Federico, I'm with you. Uh, myself is in Dropbox. I have very few things in iCloud Drive. Um, and most of those are, are, you know, just scratch notes and that sort of stuff. Uh, we got two more pieces of follow-up this week. Uh, the first is about headphones and earphones <laughs> really? and running. I got a lot of email and tweets. I'm not putting any in the show notes. Not really going to address any of it specifically. I have lots of things to look at on Amazon. Thank you for emailing me in. I'm not sure what will work and what won't yet, but uh, if I find something I like, I will follow up at that time. And finally, we come to uh, a very um, non-tech-related piece of follow-up. Wait, what is it's this? really a request. <laughs> just, just looking at this now. So Jamie emailed us, and... Um, Federico, do you want to to read this and then maybe uh, sure? Stevens only said this because he's seen words in here that he knows he can't do. He like bailed out last minute. It's like uh, Federico, no, do you Stephen, want to read this? Why don't you read this? <laughs> no, what? I'm not going to read it. <laughs> okay, maybe. So Jamie writes, maybe Federico can validate this and give his expert opinion. Best pizza in Rome is at Pinsere on oh, Pinsere on Via Flavia just next to the Marcella Royal Hotel, and follow that up with ice cream from Gelateria Caruso on Via Collina, just around the corner. I'm in love. 
Can you just read that again, please? Best pizza in Rome is at Pincere. Never heard of this before. On Via Flavia, just next to the Marcella Royal Hotel. And followed it up with ice cream from Gelateria I Caruso, I believe. Not just Caruso. I Caruso on Via Collina. I like that you put more Italian in on the second go. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I've never heard of these two places before. It could be that I'm not huge on going to the center of Rome because it's super busy and the parking spots are a complete mess. And I also don't like to take the subway on, you know, during the evenings, in, in especially in the late evenings in Rome. So I'm, I should drive there, but it's always a problem to find a parking spot. So I'm not a big expert in, I believe these places are, because it sounds to me like Via Flavia should be in the center of Rome. Um, so I'm not sure. I can, I can ask around Jamie if that's okay, you know? I have a few friends, experts about pizza in Rome. Yeah, I think I should actually, you know, go to the center more because I live in Rome and I never go there. And in two years, I've never been to the Colosseum once. (laughs) So it's kind of shame right now. It's different when it's the place you live, right? Like, yeah, 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 I know. Like, I don't feel the the need to to, to go to the center because it's always there. But at the same time, I'm kind of missing out you know because i don't go there it's beautiful yeah maybe jamie has provided a turning point for you in your life thank you jamie uh you're (laughs) you're you're making life changes in in the follow-up i I tell you what federico uh i would say that you um if you visit these places say on on a date your very special lady friend um and if you report back and follow up uh I would say hmm. that that is a business expense. Yes. And maybe maybe Relay can pay for your date. <laughs> no, my dates can get really expensive. Well, yeah, it's know, only so. pizza and ice cream. Don't go crazy. Don't get a hotel. <laughs> no, come on. Don't go. To, so nothing to drink? <laughs> There's Well, the hotel is mentioned in the in the request. So And it's a royal hotel. It's a royal hotel, so it sounds fancy. Um <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. Like uh, by the way, in terms of in terms of pizza types, I really like the the real Italian pizza, which is the the pizza from Naples. So that you know the slightly tall pizza, not a very thin, you know, thin kind of pizza. We we do have different kinds of pizza in Italy. There's some people like my parents; they prefer thin pizza, mm-hmm. and so thin slice, thin crust. I prefer the taller one, the one from the southern Italy, from Naples. So that's my my kind of preference. And ice cream, uh, I I love ice cream, all kinds of ice cream. So if it's artisanal, and I'm not trolling here because we actually do make the the real artisanal ice cream here, even better. So we'll see, uh, we'll see. I found the the hotel uh, website, and I just need to point out they use the blink tag, so they have like this headline. Really. and it's it's blinking red text to me. It's really not good. What does it say? Tell me what it says. It says that new is blinking in red letters. Click here to become new. our fan on Facebook. Let's okay. I'm gonna that. log in as yeah. Mike. Let's see, Marcella Royalta. Let's move on oh. to our first sponsor of this week's episode. How about that? <laughs> yeah. 
Today, we're very happy to be brought to you by Todoist. Todoist is Task Manager that is available everywhere. You will be hard-pressed to find a system like this that is available in more places. Todoist is currently on 16 platforms, including mobile apps, web browsers, email inboxes, wearable devices, and many more. And there are also 22 third-party applications that integrate with Todoist, including IFTTT, Dropbox, Google Drive, Cloud Magic, Toggle, Pomodone, I've never even heard of that one, Sunrise, Calendar, Zapier, and many more. And they've had an API since they launched in 2007. And this functionality lets you take your productivity to the next level. This is pure Federico Vitici level of automated productivity Mm. right here. At its core, Todoist offers powerful task management features like recurring due dates, natural language date passing, location alerts, task project sharing, subtasks and subprojects, labels, fill real-time comments, productivity tracking, and so much more. It is an incredible system that can help you be productive, but also as a system to help you stay productive with others. On that note, Mr. Federico Vitici, I know that you've used Todoist in the past yes. to help you coordinate around big releases. Um, yes. Could you tell me about some of the stuff that you like and if you're going to be using it again for that? Yeah, I really, I really like the filters feature so it lets you it lets you set up like custom views in the app so you if you have a bunch of projects and maybe if you assign tags to uh, tasks or if maybe you want to filter just a subset of tasks that have a specific due date you can create these filters which help you navigate different kinds of views in Todoist so for instance last year and I think I'm going to do the same this year I had a bunch of filters for my iOS 8 review and app coverage on Mac Stories. So I could easily see um, the apps that the reviews that I needed to finish for the most important apps. So those were priority one, the red setting uh, apps with the due date by next week. And I could then see the other apps that were coming up in two weeks. So I could easily, without having to tap on different projects and then sorting manually, I could just tap on the filters. And that was super handy. I also like the collaboration features, which is something that not every to-do app lets you do. Those are usually like single-user apps. And instead on Todoist, you can invite others to collaborate with you on projects. So we have... um, I think a couple of shared projects with Mac Stories. We have one for uh, pitches, so apps that developers send us over email for consideration. And I created this crazy recipe uh, with IFTTT, uh, or should I say IFT? I think it's the correct pronunciation these days. And so IFT, and it looks into my Gmail account. And every time I drop an email from a developer into a specific, um, actually every time I assign a specific label, if sends it to Todoist, and because it's a shared project, everybody gets to participate on that email. Oh, man. And not, not just that, not just that, because everybody sees the email as a task in Todoist, but also Todoist can be connected to Slack. So every time there's a new shared task in Todoist, we also get alerted in the team Slack room, which is awesome. It's crazy. We love it. And so collaboration filters, and I love the... The fact that, like you mentioned, Mike, there's a like a rich ecosystem of third-party apps. So you can get crazy, like I did, and you can create your own Python scripts 
in like in Python Easter editorial. And now there's even a new API, so it should be even simpler and faster to use. But you can just use third-party apps for Todoist. So one that I really like is the Do Note app by Ift. And it basically you create a Todoist recipe with Do Note. You open the app, it starts in, in a text box, you start typing, you tap a button and you save as a task to to do is super awesome. So if you, if you're into like I guess to do platforms, not just apps that you use on your own, but a platform that lets you collaborate with others and connect to different apps and use an API and have these advanced features like filters and tags and you can co- combine all of these things, I really recommend Todoist because it's it's really different from the usual to do app for iOS, it's really rich and powerful, and it works everywhere. So it get it, it does get my my seal of approval. Thank you for not just that. because it's a sponsor, because I truly love the, the service well, and the company. You know, we, people can go through the archives. We've spoken about them before. You've yeah. written articles about it before. I'll put that yeah. in the show notes as well, so okay. people can see. Uh, why you even more about why you love Todoist. Yeah. Uh, Todoist has a community of nearly 5 million users and it continues to grow like crazy. They are completely self-funded and powered by an almost entirely remote team of 30 people located in over 20 countries. They're a really interesting exciting company who are building something awesome. You can find out more and sign up today by going to todoist.com. That's T-O-D-O-I-S-T.com But that's not all. The awesome people over at Todoist have given us five one-year Todoist pre premium accounts to give away to listeners of this show. So you want to follow us on Twitter? We are at underscore connected FM. And over the next week, uh, I'll be tweeting out some premium codes uh, for you to sign up for your own one year account courtesy of Todoist. Thank you so much to Todoist for sponsoring this week's episode of Connected. Right. So today I got Apple Pay. Yes, because you got a shopping problem. So you're the best person to report on Apple Pay. This is this is <laughs> right? unfair. This is unfair, uh, and I won't stand for it. So uh, I woke up this morning and thought I would try it out because my bank said that they were supporting Apple Pay today, and they were. And the setup was pretty easy. So I just went into the Passbook app or in the Settings app. There's like the Passbook Passbook section. Uh, and I just signed in with my Apple ID, put my password in, and my card was pre-filled for me, right? It's the card that I use with my Apple ID. I just had to enter the oh, card security code. Nice, nice. Um, then I don't know if this is the same for everybody, but I had to have a verification code sent to me by email or text message from my bank. Um, so I chose uh, to get it by email, and they emailed me a, a code, uh, and I just pasted this into the passbook entry for my card. So you have to go back to the passbook and you just enter it in there. It says, like, enter the verification code, which I did. Um, I like that it has a little image of my card right there in passbook. Um, and it has the same design as my debit card, which oh, I nice. think is a really? really nice touch. Yeah, it looks the oh. same. I mean, it doesn't have, like, obviously it doesn't have, like, the numbers and stuff on it, but it has all the colors that are the same and oh, the background nice. is the same. I assume that the banks can provide an image to Apple. Yeah. Um, to allow this to happen because it's not even just the standard HSBC like it's the specific account type that I have it has a specific color card and I have that one Um, you can enter in all your default shipping information and stuff which I thought was quite clever so I guess this is for like apps that use the Apple Pay functionality this is so old to so many people but I'm going to talk about it anyway because I've been so excited about it um, one thing that is kind of annoying, although I know why you have to do it, is I had to enter all of this information in on my iPhone, my watch, and my iPad. 
Like it doesn't sink. It won't and it can't and I get why. But Well, it, it is, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. I get, uh, you know, in theory, I only have to do it once for every card that I add. But at the moment, I only have one card in there. So why do you have it set up on your iPad? Is that for just the in-app uh, purchasing thing? Yeah, I just guessed I might as well put it in there. I mean, because there there aren't a lot of apps in the UK yet that are supporting it, but I guess as that continues to increase, like, it'll just be useful. So I just thought I would just enter in the password. I'm, I'm, I'm more than anything, I wanted to see what happened. Mm-hmm. If I entered it in, like, what, what was, the, was the process the same? Because plus I'm using iOS 9 on the iPad. So it's wallet, not password. Exactly. So it's wallet. Which is really weird, right? Because... There is wallet in the settings, but there isn't a wallet app. There is a wallet app. Is there? I couldn't find it. I think it's because I'm doing that weird region thing. Anyway, because oh, I'm not... yeah. yeah. Um, so I then went out of the house today to try it out. So I had... Uh, I did have my you wallet. Make it, you make it sound like you don't usually go out of the house. But that's correct, Federico. <laughs> <laughs> not every day, my friend. Uh, I did take my wallet with me. Because I was going to buy lunch and I thought if for any reason this doesn't work, I still want to be able to buy lunch. So I took my wallet with me anyway. Um, and I went to two different stores so I could try it out once on the watch and once on the uh, phone. So uh, I was buying a sandwich for myself in a, in a little bakery here. But it's a chain bakery, so I, I expected it would work. They're not what listed kind of as a partner. Uh, it was a cheese and onion pasty, we call it here. It's not actually a sandwich, but I just thought it would be easier for me to explain mm-hmm. it that way, but that was what I bought. Okay. Uh, I went to Greg's for anybody in the UK. That that, that was where I went today because um, I knew they had contactless, and I wanted to try it out because they're not listed as a partner on Apple's website, which I you know I believed would be fine uh, because it should work wherever contactless is. So I was standing in the line, and before I went to the counter, I double-tapped the watch button, and then it, the watch kind of readies itself, and it's like it says, ready, and I asked the, the lady what I wanted. Uh, I used the uh, can I use contactless trick, from uh, our listener last week held my watch to the reader no touching I would not touch my watch to the reader and it was done it was very easy so I just so held does it up this, and it went bleep. The, does the watch screen have to like face down on the reader or just like your wrist normally I just like held my wrist to it I didn't do any crazy contortion mm-hmm. like I didn't okay. like I didn't like flick my arm over or, like I just held it towards it like I didn't really I wasn't very specific about how I did it I just kind of like push, put my arm. Basically, I moved my arm towards the reader, and before I had any like chance to change the direction, it had already gone through. Oh, okay. So it was really easy. Um, and then for the phone, uh, I ba- it's basic. It's it's pretty different actually. The phone. So you, I had the screen off. Like I was listening to a podcast. I took it out of my pocket, and you just hold it over the reader, and then the uh, the Apple Pay UI pops up with like the card and stuff, and it's like mm-hmm. touch here, and then like you hold your fingerprint down, and it does the payment. Like you don't invoke it in the same way, like in any way, like you do on the Apple Watch. Like on the Apple Watch, you're telling the watch to turn the reader on, mm-hmm. but with the phone, you just hold it at the reader and then just put your fingerprint down, and it's done. Um, so it's, it's it's they're both pretty simple, but the watch is faster, and I think probably more convenient for me anyway especially because I have such a big phone, right? But, like, it, it was just, like, it was very simple. I, I preferred the watch. I, I like that it was quicker because it is quicker. Um, 
you know, it's not by a lot, but when you're doing something that only takes like a second anyway, adding another second on it is doubling the time it takes. So, so nice. I liked it. Do you Very have any? Nice. Either of you have any questions for Did me? Did you like the sandwich? The sandwich was fine. Um, again, it's not, it's not really a sandwich. I just couldn't think of a way to describe it. Um, it's like a pastry kind of item. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. yeah, it, it was very nice. Thank you, Federico. I also have a real question. Okay. Like, when you use the Apple Watch with the reader, did people look at you weird? Like, was it a big deal that you were paying with your watch? I, I wasn't hiding but nobody noticed, but nobody was looking at me at the time. Okay. Well, no, the people behind me may have seen, um, but the lady, she was like, she, she activated the card thing and then started like, I don't know what she was doing, getting some carrier bags out or something. Uh, she wasn't looking and I just did it and just pulled my arm away again. So for her, like the transaction's gone through, it's like not a problem. She, no, just, okay. she didn't even notice. But I, I expect that that will happen a little bit over the next little while, that people won't understand what's happening. Because um, mm-hmm. it is weird. And, I mean, I did feel a little bit weird doing it, just but just because it was the first time, you know? Yeah. Apparently, because, I mean, you're paying with your watch. That's kind of amazing when you think about it. I mean, I mean, I guess, like, in the in the tech Twitter kind of sphere... Because we are also experts about, you know, tech specs and how stuff works. Sometimes we forget about actually what is going on. I mean, we're paying, we're paying for stuff with, with a watch. That's crazy. That's it's... crazy. That's insane. It's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And we kind of feel that sense of, we kind of, we kind of lose that sense of magic, right? That sense of wonder, maybe. I don't know. But I was talking to a friend at dinner the other day and I was showing him the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. And and he was so genuinely excited, you know. I mean, it was like so you can make phone calls with the watch, and and he wanted me to call him to demonstrate the phone call stuff. So hearing you say talking about Apple Pay, I I I feel. I mean, that sounds crazy, Mike. Super super nice. You yeah. just hold your wrist up and you and you buy a sandwich with with a watch. That's that's crazy. Yeah, nice. It's pretty magic. I'm very happy with it. Um, I mean, as I say, I've been looking forward to it for a while and uh, I'm pleased that it's here for me because I get to pay in this awesome way. And tomorrow, over the next couple of days, I'm actually out in London. So I'm going to be using it on the tube and stuff like that. So um, I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, you uh, you beat me to it. Yep. Sad. Your bank's never going to get it, man. You just got to, you just got to face up to that fact. And uh, I suggest... Uh... Switch bank. Yeah, there's actually a K-Base article uh, I learned of all the banks that support it. Of course you know that. Of course you know that. I didn't know that till just now. And I used my custom Alfred uh, K-Base search thing that I did that I wrote to uh, find it. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, <laughs> I thought it'd be interesting uh, this week to talk about how the three of us uh, consume news and then a little bit later how we... Uh, how we work. All three of us work sort of in the, the tech news industry, uh, more or less. And, well, I uh, don't consume news. I create news. Oh! No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh! <laughs> wow. That's a sick, that is such a sick burn to everyone. I'm really just is. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, part of, this is on our minds a little bit because of Apple news coming in 
iOS 9. All three of us are, are running iOS 9. Have you guys gotten a chance to play with the Apple News app yet? And if so, yeah. kind of what are your what are your thoughts on it? Mike, do you want to go first? Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I've only used it in my iPad, but I think that like the information density is all wrong. Um, like there's there's a ton of articles and they're all different shapes, uh, and it's it's really difficult to know where you need to be looking. Um, and I know why they're doing this. They're trying to make it look like a newspaper, but we fix that model, like. We don't. You don't need to worry about column inches. You can do any layout you like. Um, it's not important. So I don't really know what articles they choose to be bigger than others. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. like it. Um, I think that the way that you choose the stuff that you want to see is a little bit flawed. And like the fact that it seems that Apple is like randomly pulling images. Like when I'm looking at the sources that I want to read. Uh, a wheel of colored iPods doesn't tell me that I'm looking at Mac stories, but for some reason that's what they choose. Like that doesn't mean anything to me. So this is something that I saw for you recently, Federico. Like the big image was something that you were using, which was like I think it was from an Apple ad or something like that, and it was like a wheel of colored iPods. Yeah. And it's like this is this doesn't mean anything to me. Like yeah. and then you have like this tiny little Mac stories logo. Like I just want to see a big Mac stories logo. Like that doesn't make sense. Uh, I. I'm, I'm, I'm not really a big fan of it. Like when you're actually reading an article, it looks fine, uh, and it, it, you know, it looks like a nice way to look at things, and you can quite easily see the source stuff. But then it also seems to like assign these like random tags. Like the other day, I was reading something on Stephen's website, and a tag was just pixel, which <laughs> was interesting (laughs) and so close (laughs) and it's like i don't really understand why they're doing some of the stuff they're doing like i feel like they've got for like they've got too many robots doing this and not enough people and that's why it feels to me a little bit unappley um and i hope i what i hope is that this is just as they're gathering data and like eventually they're gonna be they're gonna go like here you go publishers here's a ton of tools for you to mm. make this stuff look right. That's what I hope. Because, like, for example, when I look at Mac Stories, I've got, like, these three headings at the top. Which should be five, because I changed them to be five in my publisher setting, but the setting is not propagating to Apple News okay. for some reason. I don't know. That makes sense, then. But, yeah, it's, it's... I don't know. It's, a, oh, it's just... It is weird. It yeah. is weird. And as a publisher, I can tell you it is especially frustrating when... I put up content on my website and there's a difference between what you see on the website and what you see on Apple News. It's a, I would say, curated feed by robots or, I mean, I don't think there's like an Apple person who sits there and every time I hit publish, he goes, okay, yeah, I want to feature this because, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a link or maybe just a quick review of an iOS app. So it's weird because sometimes, at least right now in the beta, sometimes articles show up, other times they don't. And maybe it's just, you know, a bug or maybe it's a feature or maybe it's a robot. So I I don't know. I I would say I I agree with you, Mike, on all the, the weird things like the layouts are just... Like there's too much too much white space and some stuff is too big, some stuff is too small. And sometimes 
I noticed this, especially what, like, um, I was searching for Mac stories. Uh, now, I don't know if it's, this is a Mac stories issue, but I don't think so. So, and basically I searched for Safari view controller, which is an article that I wrote a couple of weeks ago. And instead of looking, instead of having a result as a Mac stories article, I get the daring fireball link. So the, hmm. the link that John Gruber put up on his website, but there was one of my images and not even the top one, just a random screenshot from my article in his post, post on Daring Fireball, which is super odd. I don't know what they're doing with the algorithms and scraping websites, but it seems strange. That machine learning, man, it'll get you. The tags, the tags are can be really weird sometimes. Like if I'm looking at a, uh, <laughs> I was looking at a Kickstarter um, article about a campaign, and the tag was product manufacturing industry. Which okay, yeah, sure. I mean, you were manufacturing a product for the Kickstarter <laughs> campaign, but maybe that's a little too literal. You know, <laughs> you can get a little more specific than that. And but I want to say. I did manage to to find a couple of interesting links on 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 Apple News, and in fact, I'm using it to 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 kind of discover stuff for for our Mac Stories Weekly newsletter. Last week, uh, uh, like three or four links in our links section were discovered on Apple News, and I think like if you use the service enough, it gets better relatively quickly like in a in a, in a week i started following some topics mm-hmm. i i used the the little uh, love icon to say yeah i like this and the topics got better but still the explore section is too generic like i go there and it gives me as a recommendation like basic stuff like i should follow apple yeah okay <laughs> sure that feels like a healthy amount of news to receive yes that's very i do love i do love my apple news it's just i go there and it's a bunch of generic recommendations instead of getting really specific like before apple news when there was like zeit and the like even flipboard or there was another one i don't remember like they could get really specific like the sections that they recommended to me were things like python scripts or evernote and those are kind of more specific sections and topics that i'm interested in but if i go to explore right now in apple news i get things like Consumer products and services, which, okay, I guess I'm into consumer products. I'm a human being and I live in Italy. Or I get, this is another topic that I get in the suggested topics, computing and information technology. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds fancy. I love me some information technology. Interactive media. There's a human eye with a reflection of the Facebook logo in his retina. And yeah. I guess I do like eyes looking at Facebook. So the topics can get a little, you know, a little bland and generic. But the main page, the For You, there is some interesting stuff. I feel like I don't want to complain too much right now because it's a beta, because maybe the robots are still learning and doing whatever it is they do. Um, There are some things that are obviously wrong, like the layouts leave very much to be desired right now. There's no way to simply say, I don't like this. You can say, I like this with the love icon, but you cannot say the opposite. You can report 
suggestion as being inaccurate or offensive, but there's no basically hate icon, which is maybe is a little strong, but even on, on Apple Music, you can tap and hold and say, I don't like this suggestion. You cannot do the same on Apple News right now. Right. So mm, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I, I mean, my, my issue with it, and we're going to talk about RSS in a second, but I, for the most part, want to read what I have chosen to read. Um, and I, I read the mix of writers that I that I pay attention to because they, they surface things that are interesting, right? And so for me, it's sort of a, there's a mix in there of things like Mac Stories or Marco's website or Daring Fireball, of things that I... I read and I will follow things they link to, but then there's also this sort of weird churn going on of stuff that, you know, it's trying to add or suggest and, um, and it does some weird stuff, which is understandable with like link lists, uh, style sites like Federico, like you and I both do where Mm -hmm. uh, it will pull in images. Like if I link to something on the verge, it will add the verges photo to my article, which I'm not republishing their article on my site, and Feedly does the same thing, which I really, I really dislike it because um, it looks like I am using their images and I'm not. And so, I mean, that's that's understandable to a degree, but it, uh, there's some of this that weird use case for for people like like me and reading the sites I read that it can kind of kind of get weird in a, in a hurry. Mm. Can I say just one more thing about Apple News? Of course. Because right now <laughs> I'm scrolling through the pages of the suggested topics, and on the third, on the fourth page, there's mobile app, which okay, I think I do cover mobile apps, but then I keep scrolling, and there's U.S. politics, medicine, Android, and sports. Now, I do wonder if Apple's priorities are not aligned. With the with 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 the correct way of making Apple News a great service, because by not linking products and services together, so Apple doesn't want to share information for things you look up in Safari or you know stuff you look up in other Apple apps. You know it doesn't want they don't want to share this information with other services because they feel like they want to respect customer privacy. And I know that a lot of people feel very strongly about this topic. But when you go to something like Apple News, I go to Apple News and I have an expectation that a service based on robots and algorithms should know that I'm definitely not into sports or Android or US politics. And I feel like that by respecting the user privacy too much, the end user product also becomes worse. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people, there's there's many arguments in favor or, you know, uh, in favor of Apple or the Google way of doing things. I just feel like right now in beta force or disclaimer, I do know it's a beta and etc. But right now it feels like these strong respect for privacy also makes the product a little dull and generic. And maybe it'll change with time, maybe it'll learn without having to look up my information in Safari or Mail or other apps, but maybe it won't, and we'll see when it launches. So uh, I have to say at this point, like whenever I use Google Now, and like I was using it today, I was playing around with my Android phone, um, it's using my Google search history, Mm -hmm. and it says to me like, hey, here's a site 
that you read that has a new article that you might like. And and it's like every time I see one, I'm like, yep, that's correct. Or like they what they do is like I see from sites that I don't know, but it's breaking news about a topic that I've looked at and searched for before. And it's and I see that and I'm like, yes, that's what I want to see. Because it's doing exactly what you're saying, Federico. It's learning from my search history and showing me stuff that is important to me based on the fact that I have explicitly searched for something like this before. Uh, and or I visit this website in Google Chrome and there's a new post on it and they're showing me. Um, and it always tends to, with the new post stuff, they always tend to show me, and I don't know if they do this purposefully, uh, for sites that have infrequent updates. So like it's not showing me every time there's a new post on The Verge. Mm-hmm. But yes. like it shows me, oh, KC had a new blog post. And it's like, yeah, that's useful because I might not have seen that. Like, so, it, you know, I, that is the way that that I would love to see this kind of stuff work. But I can see how from, what you, you know, I see what you're saying, Federico. Like the fact that they don't want to share this data between the applications means that it's unlikely. Um, but it would be nice if I could say, yes, please yeah. do it. Yes, exactly. Or don't do it. <laughs> yeah. You know? But and even and even if you don't give me the setting, at least give me proper training controls in the app. Let me say, yeah, okay, this is very interesting, or no, I don't like this, or yes, this is mildly interesting. So we'll see about this topic. You yeah. know, if you don't want to use my data uh, across different services, at least let me say yes or no or maybe. <laughs> and. Right now, there's just a way to say I love this, which is a strong feeling to use this love feature everywhere. Sometimes you don't love stuff. Like, sometimes I just mildly liked it. Like <laughs> Sometimes I just, you know, like, sometimes I just don't hate stuff. I just accept that it exists, but I don't love it, you know? Should, should we take a break and then talk about some other services? Yes. Let's do it. This episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Fracture. Fracture is a great company of a great product that I love a lot. Fracture is finding ways to help people transform the way that they print and display their favorite images. So a trillion photos are going to be taken in 2015. That is like a number I can barely wrap my brain around. And Fracture is here to help you rescue some of those photos, some of your favorites from the dark corners of your camera roll or timeline or Facebook feed or something like that. It's super simple. All you do is you just go to FractureMe.com, you upload a photo, and they don't just make a print for you and put it in a frame with a little wooden outline to it and send it to you in the post. They print this photo directly onto a piece of glass. It looks fantastic. I say this so much and I really mean it. Unless you've seen one of these things, you have no idea how great they look. They are absolutely fantastic. These fracture prints, their colors really pop. Like it's that idea, I think I've heard people mention this before, of like, you know how you look at like the iPhones now and like the it looks like the pixels are painted right onto the glass there, right? Like that is how it looks because it is stuck right to the very back of the glass right there's no air in between it nothing like that these things is a completely different way to look at the pictures that you love um i've done it with podcast artwork they have a great square size for that um i have a painting uh that tiffany Armand made and she sent it to me which is really awesome and it came in one of the rectangle sizes that they have. So I've received fractures as gifts. I've given them to people's gifts. Like I bought uh, Stephen a Relay logo fracture for his birthday. Um, it's a great 
way to give an original gift. Like every time you send a fracture, it's an original gift because you use a different picture every time, right? So they're getting these great prints, but it's like it feels original every time because it's a brand new picture that they have. They have a super simple order process. They package them really well and they ship them to you know, straight to your door. They're all checked for quality by their team in Gainesville, Florida. I've had them sent from Florida to London and they've had no problems, no breaking, no scratching, nothing. They put everything in the box that you're going to need. They'll put a screw in there. They'll put a, a little stand in for the square, small sizes if you want it. I think they're absolutely fantastic. If you're listening to this and you haven't yet bought a fracture, they have prices that start at just $15 so they're not going to break the bank. Just try them out because if you use the code CONNECTED, you'll not only get 10% off for yourself, it will also help support this show and that means a lot to all of us. So just go to FractureMe.com to get started right now and thank you so much to Fracture for their support of this show. So RSS then. Um, I'll start off. I don't use RSS at all anymore. You're um, fired from this show. I tried to pare down <laughs> my subscriptions to like 30, maybe about six months ago. And no. mm, Mike, I still wasn't, choice. I just wasn't doing it. I just, I, I, I just don't check it enough. It's just not something that interests me anymore. I, I don't really read like that. Yeah, I guess, I guess you you don't have a blog and you don't do links like Steven and I do. So maybe you just don't need RSS. Maybe Twitter is enough for you. I don't know. I'll talk about Twitter in a minute and why okay. I think it is. But I think that you've hit the nail on the head. What about you, Steven? Uh, I, I do use RSS. I use uh, Feedbin for the back end and the Unread app on, um, on iOS. And I... Maybe we can get into Twitter a little bit, but my my issue there is that Twitter flows by too quickly, and I know with RSS that what I subscribe to will be waiting for me. So like I haven't opened uh, Reader on my Mac in hours, but I know that I won't miss anything. Not that I will look at it all, but I know that everything that has happened will be in there waiting for me, and I like that sort of um, handle on things that RSS gives you. Um, and I just. You know, Twitter is fleeting and, and fast, and even with things like lists, I just can't keep up. So uh, I've used RSS for a long time since you know, early Google Reader days, and it continues to be really central to how I how I read and how I work. Mm-hmm. I use RSS a lot. I I tried many services over the years, and it's been since December, January, and I'm not switching from this one. Uh, I use Newsblur. It's it's not pretty. It's kind of ugly in places. It looks like a Windows app sometimes, but it's got the, all the right features. It it basically Newsblur lets you it lets you subscribe to RSS and create folders and all that kind of stuff. And it lets you save articles. You can even share with other Newsblur users. So it's kind of like Google Reader, you know, when you used to be able to comment on articles with other people. But I don't care about that stuff. The key aspect of Newsblur is that it lets you promote and downvote keywords in headlines, um, entire websites, specific authors, uh, tags from articles if the CMS exposes tags to the user. So you can get very specific about the kind of topics that you like. So I can follow a lot of websites and even very... Uh, websites like The Verge or Polygon or Kotaku 
which have the noise to you know uh what's the signal, signal ratio to noise ratio is very much <laughs> inclined towards the a lot of posts kind of website and I, but i can follow them because then whenever they write about things that i don't like like i don't know donald trump or <laughs> the latest game for the xbox one that i don't have anyway I can just highlight the keyword uh, or the author if the author always writes about the topic and just say, you know, thumbs down. I don't want to see this ever again. And in the future, if an article matches that kind of thing, it'll be hidden from my list. So I follow a lot of websites in Newsblur, but because I've been very careful about promoting and downloading stuff, now it's a feed made just for me. And the best thing is if you... If you spend time kind of training the service and you say, okay, I like this topic, I like this website, you can create the focused list, which is a like a specific feed of just the things that you like and that you're interested in. So if I go there and it's been like a couple of days and I haven't checked RSS, I can just go to the focus list and I can just take a look at those so I know it's the most important stuff for me and I can be done with RSS quickly. So Newsblur and RSS, it lets me follow the websites that I wouldn't want to follow on Twitter because Twitter, Twitter doesn't have these kinds of controls to say thumbs up, thumbs down, I don't care, I do care. And instead, I can use the, this smart feature in Newsblur to do this and it, I discover a lot of like blog posts that I link to or maybe like links that I can use in the newsletter. I am thankful for <laughs> this kind of feature. And I hope the newsletter never goes away because there's no other service that's, that does this. So I'm really happy. So I mainly use Twitter as the way I find out about a lot of things. Uh, and this comes through in a different way, a couple of different ways. I follow a lot of people, right? So if something starts happening and it's getting a lot of buzz... I'm likely to see the link come through. I'll either see it come through a few times or I'll catch one of the people that tweets about it. I also follow the accounts for uh, blogs that I like. Um, so, you know, things like Steven's site and Federico's site and Brad's site and Jason's site and, you know, sites that I like, I follow their Twitter accounts. Uh, I also follow a couple of uh, of the Firehose-y types of, like, accounts. So, like, I follow The Verge and I follow Polygon. Because mm -hmm. uh, they tend to be my favorite sites in those scenarios where they're just going to like spew a bunch of news at me. Because I can only take <laughs> a couple of those. I've tried to do more than one in each oh, category. It, it gets out of hand. Yep. And one of the one of the annoying slash great things about those is if something's really good, they'll tweet about it multiple times over different time periods. Oh, so yeah. that can be annoying, except for the in time. In case you missed it. <laughs> Yeah, they but they don't even. Luckily, they don't do that. They just pretend mm. like you never saw it. You know, no, they yeah. actually do it in case you missed it because they don't actually use the thing. <laughs> uh, but whilst it's annoying sometimes because you're like, oh god, this happened like two weeks ago. Why are you still tweeting about it? There are times <laughs> where this is where I find stuff. So it's like you know, I take the good with the bad because most of the time they don't annoy me, and most of the time I am getting the information that I want because it's sometimes the only place that I get it from. So. I've been, I mean, it works for me because I never feel like I'm behind the curve. Like, I don't maybe find that, like, little unique 
piece that that person wrote that maybe one or you like one or two of you may find like you two may find it and, and link to it but then if you link to it i'm gonna see it from your blog you know so i find that i follow a select handful of curators that i quite mm, enjoy sexy. Um, I know. and uh, that works for me like i don't want to i don't want another inbox to be checking and that's just how rss feels to me today i guess using rss using twitter and all these other types of feeds comes down to whether you have the inbox mindset or not so by design i am the kind of person that is a completionist i need to read all my rss i need to manage all my email i need to look at all the tweets all day mm-hmm. when i wake up mm-hmm. i load the timeline from eight hours ago yep. usually just seven hours or six and i read every single tweet and on during the weekends i read every tweet i i don't miss any tweet and twitter is in fact part of my job and it sounds crazy what what is it that you do for a living i write and i do podcasts oh and i also check twitter <laughs> and <laughs> no but seriously Me i too. discovered it it feels weird to say you discovered people because i'm not like Christopher Columbus, I didn't discover people, but I just, you know, I I get to know new people like developers and bloggers and sometimes these connections, right? It feels very social networking kind of talk, but these connections lead to maybe I get to be a beta tester for a new app or maybe I get to be interviewed by someone for his blog and... Look at the three of us. I mean, exactly, exactly. We are living proof of that, you know, the Twitter silliness can lead to even more silliness just in front of a microphone. So, <laughs> I mean, so reading Twitter, it's uh, it, it's not, it's annoying sometimes, especially when the Americans decide to pile on the same joke or the same politician. Other times it's kind of amazing when a big event happens and yeah. you see all these reactions. It's crazy during Apple events. So my timeline gets cut off during Apple events because it's just too many tweets. But on average, I read every tweet because I discover and I follow like over a thousand people. People ask me how I do it. It's crazy. It's part of my job. I dedicate like a solid couple of hours each day to Twitter. And that's, you know, part of the deal. You got to follow the people to find the links. And that's how it works for me. I've been trying, uh, I've installed and I've been tinkering with Nuzzle as Mm, a way to surface some of that stuff. But one of my main problems at the moment is I follow like a handful of writers that work for some of these like sites. Like I follow a bunch of Polygon writers and a bunch of Verge writers. So every time there's a big article on either site, it always comes up on Nuzzle because they all link to it, which is totally fine. I get why they do it, right? but it makes that service kind of pointless. So I might not use it. It feels like, because there have been a few things that I found in Nuzzle that I liked um, that I didn't see otherwise. Uh, But I feel like maybe the service is pointless unless I unfollow people that I don't want to unfollow. So it's, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to keep using it. Mm. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if Jack's Twitter were to buy Nuzzle soon. I don't know anything, just a suspicion. It, it feels like such, such a perfect fit, right? It's such a good match for, for the service, especially now that they're getting into this curation stuff with Twitter Lightning project, whatever. 
I just feel there's too much talk about Nuzzle being a great announcement to Twitter for Twitter not to consider an acquisition. I don't know. It's a great product and it's useful. Um, the notifications, I, I like them. You know, when, when I, maybe I'm away from Twitter because I'm focusing on writing an article as I am this summer, for instance, yep. and I see eight of your friends share the same link and I know almost, you know, almost foolproof that it's something that I should check out. Because again, Nuzzle puts the, uses people as the engine and not just uh, all kinds of people, but the people you follow and you decided to follow those people. So it's it's a very very clever trick, and it's, yeah, I use Nuzzle a lot. Yeah, it's my it's my go to on days that I can't keep up on Twitter, uh, or that mm-hmm. I've been maybe offline and instead of uh, completing my timeline, or if RSS is out of control, that's sort of my like safety net of hey, I just want to make sure that there's anything going on I should I should know about, and mm-hmm. it, it really is nice for that. It's a good way to take the temperature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really yeah. uh, good way of saying it. One, one thing I do wish, and maybe it does this. It sounds like it doesn't, though. If it, if you haven't found it, of a way to like mute people in Nuzzle. So if you know those Verge writers are sort of uh, coloring your experience in Nuzzle, that you could turn them off, uh, or you know have their links way less in the algorithm or something. I, I could see some growth there for them of, of fine tuning it a little bit. But uh, but overall, yeah, Nuzzle Nuzzle's great. It has an adorable icon, which is uh, always a win as well. But definitely something that yeah. I use as a as sort of a, a second line if I if I can't keep up during the day, I just kind of go to that and see what's going on. You know, something that I that I've always wanted to bring up on the show. When you follow a lot of people on Twitter, <laughs> you start to notice this weird metamorphosis of memes and jokes yeah. on Twitter. Yep. And you see this cycle repeat over and over. <laughs> and yet it gets to the point where there's usually an outrage happening and a big news comes out. And you see it happens all the time. There's people making a joke, mixing the two. Or maybe it's a big world event and maybe something about Apple. And you see people mixing the two as a joke. Like I remember when the when the the Americans, the, the Marines, uh, caught Osama bin Laden like a few years ago, and and also Apple Maps was having issues. And suddenly there's everybody making jokes that 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 he was using Apple Maps and he got caught. Or you know, and it happens all the time. Like there's a politician says something and you, they make the joke about, you know, technology. And you see this repetition of the joke, like the transformation of the meme. And it's kind of amusing, but also annoying to watch. So when you follow a lot of people, I, I know that, like, I can reliably tell you when a news comes out and when Apple or Google are doing something, there's going to be like the in-between meme or the mixed joke. And it gets annoying after a while. But, you know, you there should be like a joke filter on Twitter. There should be like a Twitter for business and there's like a toggle and you say serious Twitter and you hide all of the jokes and you just get the news. <laughs> I would love this. My yeah. my favorite thing, and I know that we all have this, um, is like I, I follow different Twitters. Like I have tech Twitter and space Twitter <laughs> yes. and like video games Twitter and, you know, I don't have space Twitter. Stephen does. I don't know why I said that. Uh, but 
that's really weird. It's words came out of my mouth I didn't <laughs> expect. But like you know, I, I I follow a bunch of different Twitters, uh, and it's really interesting to me because I'm like, oh, you're from video games Twitter. Like it's 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 really interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. Do you follow any from anyone from weird Twitter? Oh yeah, I tr- well at least I've tried, and it, it, I can't. Yeah, I can't, I can't get into it. Maybe like Darth is the only person mm-hmm. that I can can mm-hmm. can yeah. deal with. In that's kind of that's kind of weird slash cute Twitter. Yeah. yeah, but like you know, there's a lot of Buzzfeed people in weird Twitter, and and after oh, a yes. while, I like there's too much weird that I can't keep a handle on, so yeah. I have to I have to kind of let it go. Yeah, step in, and then you then you see, I don't know, maybe uh. Maybe the Kyle's the gray. Maybe he counts as, as uh, like a beginner <laughs> weird Twitter. <laughs> yes. All right. Shall I take a break? And then we have an interesting uh, final topic today to run yeah. through. Yeah. So this episode is brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. With Igloo, you don't have to be fixed to a certain place to get your work done. Everybody's mobile these days. And your internet should be mobile too. So you can do whatever you want. You can go wherever you like and you can still access your internet. You can still get your work done. You can access your internet on a bus. You can mark off your tasks when you're in the garden, when it's sunny outside. You can manage your documents from the beach if you really want to. Although when you're at the beach, even though that your internet is mobile and it's with you everywhere if you use Igloo, you probably shouldn't be looking at it. Like Take the time and, and go to the beach, you know? Anyway, so with Igloo these days, they do they allow you to do all this stuff. They allow you to customize it. They can let you set different teams up in different ways with their group spaces functions. So, for example, if the accounting team and the marketing team need different different uh, facilities, you know, one of them needs document sharing, the other one needs microblogs. You can set them up that way. They, if they both won't use it, then they don't need it. You can say this team gets this, this team gets this. You can give them the colors and the logos and all that cool stuff. You can customize it for exactly how those teams work. You can customize your igloo for your entire company with, you know, giving it the branding that you like. It's really surprisingly configurable. And it does genuinely feel like all of igloo does, like it was built today. It wasn't like built 20 years ago. Um, one of my other favorite things about igloo is the fact that they allow you to integrate services like Box and Google Drive and Dropbox into their one big easy to secure platform. This stops documents leaving your company and going to people's own personal information and their own personal uh, accounts because that's not a good idea. You don't really want that happening. That can break security policy in some companies. It would have broken security policy in mine, uh, in my old company. Actually, Stephen, it will break security policy here too. So watch out where you're taking that documents. Uh, Igloo allows you to look after all this stuff. They allow you to integrate that all into their platform. They have super, super secure stuff going on here, like 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, and Active Directory integrations, all that stuff for the security nerds out there as well. Uh, They also have, with their own document engine, you can have uh, red receipts, so you can know if people have seen documents. This is really useful if you need everybody to see that new policy document or the new fire safety procedure. You can make sure everyone's seen it without having to go up to everybody's desk and bugging them. You can just see. So if you like the sound of this, or if you are using an intranet that you hate, then you should definitely be signing up and trying out Igloo, especially because it's free for teams of up to 10 people to use for as long as you want. So go to igloosoftware.com slash connected and try them out. Thank you so much to Igloo for supporting this show. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk briefly about how uh, how we get our work done from a 
sort of not really workflow perspective, but sort of big big picture maybe. Um, so all, all three of us being independent, doing sort of overlapping things that could be interesting to to run through. So, so Federico, you uh, you write for a living for the majority of your time. Mm-hmm. What uh what does that planning look like? What does getting an article from your brain through your iPad to the internet? How does that how does that go? It depends on the kind of article that I'm writing. So primarily I do app reviews and stories. So editorials, kind of opinion pieces on the website. And my writing process has been, looking back, I think it, uh, it has always been the same since high school. And and that is, I don't, I don't write multiple drafts of, a, of an article. And... I, I always compared myself to my friends in back in high school and now to, to people I know that do my, the same job that I do. And there there's people they like they write entire stories and they're not happy with, with, with them and they just throw throw them away. And I've never had this mindset and I guess it's that the article happens in my brain before it, it becomes words with a yep. keyboard i'm the same and way like i'm i'm capable of sometimes i find myself thinking about an article for like weeks and weeks and weeks and i don't start typing because i don't have a clear angle every time i write an article it's because i have an angle a specific point of view that informs the entire article i guess a thesis maybe you could say but it's just a central topic or a central idea. And from that idea, I extrapolate everything else. And the article happens around that idea. And sometimes that takes weeks or months. Other times, it's a Sunday afternoon and I see something fly by on Twitter. And the idea pops out on its own in two seconds. And I know exactly not just the topics that I want to cover or you know, the other the other ideas of the article, but I also know the kind of flow that the article will have. And so it's like if the, in those occasions, it's like, and I know that this sounds incredibly hippie and kind of magical, but, you know, creativity, it's kind of weird like that. But I know, I visualize the article in my brain and I know how it's going to turn out on the page. But that's very rare. And usually I need to help the idea become an idea you know i need to put myself in the position of saying okay now i know what i'm gonna write and usually that implies research and i feel like for most articles research can be testing so whether it's software like an ios update or an app research is knowing what i'm gonna talk about and in this case it is software so maybe it's how the software works or how the design is structured or why the developer chose to you know to make this kind of feature or design choice and maybe for weeks or even months in the case of IS reviews I just I don't write anything I just sit there I watch videos I take notes I take screenshots and for big articles I do mind maps I really like iThoughts for iOS and the iPhone and iPad um, I like it because it lets you 
use text and images and you can export in different formats. But really, I can zoom out from the mind map and I can take a look at all the topics from like a top-down perspective. And that's not just cool to look at. That's kind of useful to see. You know, I use a horizontal layout. So there's a central idea and then it's like a flower with all ideas, you know, around that central topic. And I feel like being able to see the density of those ideas and of those notes helps me form a structure of the article in my brain. So when I sit down, I already know the intro and I already know what's going to follow that intro. And usually, and this may sound weird to other people, but it's not so unusual for me to write the conclusion before the rest of the body of the article. And that's not a preconception. That's because I wait until I have a conclusion to start writing the article. So for me, the conclusion doesn't happen in in, in high school, in, in Latin, we would say in medias res, which means in the middle of things. And the conclusion doesn't happen to me. The conclusion lets me start the article. And that's maybe strange for some people, but that's just how I work. I don't start until I know how it ends. And and that really helped me. I feel free, you know, when I when it's liberating to know what it's going to be like in the end. And it, I feel like it lets me enjoy the writing process more. Because if I were to start writing without knowing where things are going, I would just feel anxious. And I would just feel like I don't know what I'm doing, like I don't know what I'm talking about. And at the end of the day, you know, mind maps notes, screenshots, those are just tools. The basic point for me is knowing what I want to talk about, is knowing the idea, is using the idea, the central, the very simple idea. I feel like DiCaprio right now in Inception. But the basic idea helps form the entire article, whether it's a short article or a long one or, you know, the kind of work that you need to do for three months but that's always that's always the case for me and everything else is just a tool and so editorial i cannot live without editorial pythonista photos dropbox but for me it's i would say i don't do drafts because i don't like the anxiety of discovering the idea while i'm writing the article the article needs to happen after the idea is as a conclusion and I guess that's my writing process. That's that's really interesting to hear. Mine, as far as the, I need the conclusion. I need the I need the the complete thought uh, before I can write exactly the same way. Um, I've been working on or thinking, I should say, thinking about uh, an Apple Watch review for really going on like four or five weeks now. And I don't, I haven't started because I don't really have a conclusion yet. I don't really know where it's going. And like you, that's not to to say that my writing will be influenced by that thought, but it's that that thought is the writing itself. Um, It was always very frustrating for me in school. I took a lot of writing classes and they'd want to see drafts. And it's like, I don't, I can't do that. Like I, 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 I outline this thing before you write it. Like I've already done that in my head. Like why, you know, I would often backfill that work, you know, backfill, hut and outline and really have the whole thing written already, which uh, got me in trouble a few times, but uh, I, I'm the same way. Um, 
I thought I could talk about writing the history stuff that I do, uh, sort yeah. of specifically that's unique to 512 to a degree. Um, I will start with the idea or, t- or topic. So, hey, I want to talk about this this machine or you know, like what I'm doing in iMore, like this, you know, uh, like the history of like the iTunes store. Like I, I pick my topic and then uh, I go uh, into research. You know, that's a very different thing than like a editorial because it's, I'm not really saying my opinion. I'm sort of explaining what happened and maybe why it's important. And so a couple of tools that are really key for me, uh, Wikipedia of course is huge. Uh, the Wayback Machine, looking at at Apple's website in the past can be helpful. Uh, there's an app for OS X and iOS called Mac Tracker, which has basically all of Apple's hardware and software products in it. So you can go, it's like, oh, I'm looking at the, you know, the mirror drive door G4, and I can look at the dates, the information, the specs, any interesting background that the app may know about is all in there. It could be a really great reference point for starting out of like, so where does this fall into history? What came before it? What came after it? What made it unique? And then uh, a couple websites, uh, Low End Mac is a great one. They cover a lot of uh, old Apple stuff and a lot of uh, good articles explaining sort of the the nitty gritty of differences between, you know, this this power book and that power book and uh, et cetera. And it could be uh, helpful to read someone else's take on that. The uh, the people who run Low End Mac are super great. I've had a lot of conversations with them over the years about stuff, and they're always very helpful. Um, Often my research will span more than one working session. That We'll see if that changes now that I have a little more time to write. But uh, I will store things in Instapaper and, and come back to them. I have some folders in Instapaper um, about some things that, you know, hey, this is a weird machine. I can't write about it right now. I'll put it in an evergreen folder. Or I kind of have a 512 active folder. So if I'm working on uh, something about the Newton, all my Newton stuff will get saved into that folder for later. So I can come back to it and find it in one place, which is nice. Um, and then and then I jump in, into writing. Like like you, Federico, I don't outline. I don't really draft. I, I kind of know at this point what I'm going to say, kind of the way I'm going to say it, the order in which I'm going to talk about things. And so I just sit down at Byword on the Mac or editorial on my iPad and, and just, you know, go through it. I write in Markdown, have a lot of text expander stuff happening to make pulling links in and that sort of stuff faster. And so I can just, uh, you know, take that research and kind of churn through it and, and, and write my piece. And the writing part is usually much quicker than the research. Um, especially if, you know, like you, Federico, if research involves videos, so if you're watching like, like WBDC sessions or like old keynotes, like I can't make an hour long video go faster. Okay. Like it's <laughs> going to take about an hour, even skipping around. Uh, so that research time for the history stuff is the bulk of the time spent in an article where they're writing it is usually much shorter. Um, I'm going to sit down, you know, get it out, you know, proofread it, go through it. I do have a copy editor I use for big stuff, which is nice. And then, uh, and then publish and, and do it all over again. It's hurting me to listen to you guys talking about the writing process mm-hmm. because I'm trying, I'm, Working on a article for a site right now, and uh, I I struggling. I'm really struggling. Like I know what it's about, right? <laughs> like I I know what it's about, uh, but I just can't. I just can't do it. Like I'm trying to say the stuff that I'm trying to say, and it's really really difficult for me to do it. It's 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 definitely a skill that some people have and you both have it in abundance and I just really, really struggle with it. It drives me mad. 
So, obviously, I'm not going to talk about writing. So, rather than talking about the recording stuff, because I think there's not really a lot of interest in, I use Skype Core Recorder, and then I put it into Logic. Like, there's not really a lot for me to say there. Um, I I wanted to talk about how I prepare for shows, because I think that that's maybe a little bit more unique to me, maybe, I don't know, um, or at least it unearths a little bit about my thought processes, which are slightly different. So... Let's say that um, let's say we that the show has an idea, right? So every every episode requires an idea, uh, whether or whatever it is you want to talk about that week. That could be something that's in the news, or it could be like a specific topic or an idea that you want to talk about. Like let's say, for example, with this show today, we had to think up these two different things because there wasn't really anything in the news that we wanted to talk about so much. Um, so like a couple of weeks ago, I suggested maybe talking about news and we've been pushing it along as we were waiting, but it was just like, it was something that was on my mind because I just signed up for Nuzzle and I wasn't using RSS anymore. So all of it tends to come in ideas, but as I just mentioned, these ideas aren't necessarily like you have the idea on Monday for the show on Tuesday. I might like have an idea for a show I want to do at some point down the line. So these tend to get saved in drafts if they're over long term. And I tend to have a note for each show which would be like ideas for connected ideas for upgrade ideas for cortex that kind of thing that tends to be where that stuff goes sometimes they just go into the google doc outlines uh, but a lot of the time i save some of that stuff myself in drafts until i flesh it out a little bit more into something that's a little bit more meat to it before putting it into or sharing it with my co-host so i know exactly what it is i want to talk about um, show preparation actually lasts for seven days for each show so from basically the moment that we stop recording I'm already preparing for this week's episode uh, next week's episode of Connected and that's the same for all of the shows that I do as soon as I stop the preparation for the next week begins because uh, I save links that people send in as follow up uh, make notes for corrections for follow up and again like start thinking about the ideas again when people send me links and stuff recently I've noticed that like I'm losing stuff so like people send me something on like Tuesday for upgrade and I forget to add it to the google document or whatever i just see it online it's like oh like i'm reading twitter i was like oh yeah that's cool and then i don't think to do anything with it so i've started this system recently again of using drafts to append these links using the drafts extension to a specific like upgrade follow-up note in drafts this is something i'm still like fleshing out a little bit but it feels like a pretty good system i might end up using the notes app for this when i'm on ios 9 everywhere Mm -hmm. um it was actually the fact that the Notes app was introduced that made me think to check out this functionality in drafts because I'm not on iOS 9 on my iPhone yet. So I don't want to start using Notes everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking that maybe Notes will be something that I use. Although I do like Markdown Preview. Anyway, um, so <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't fully tried out Notes yet, but I know that Federico has been using it. Um, yeah. To, to some effect and that was talking to Federico about the way he's using notes is making me think about using it in drafts so I have like follow up notes for a bunch of shows and I just add things into those notes and then I can check them and add things in for follow up later um, or I just add them directly into Google Docs like if I'm at my Mac I usually just add them straight into the Google document for that show so that I could open up the connected one make a little line uh, above this week's notes add in some just quick notes until I go in on the morning of the show being recorded and flesh out the outline. So that's typically what I tend to do. The morning of, 
um, I've got my coffee and I will start doing the outlines for the shows that happen later in the day for me. So this will be cleaning out the document from last week, um, cleaning out the, the, the topics that we covered and the follow-up so that's all gone. And then I start taking any notes from drafts off that are already in my Google Doc and outlining them, uh, fleshing out the ideas, adding in my thoughts about follow-up, that kind of stuff, creating the actual outline. I look on Twitter. If we have hashtag suggestions for the shows that are doing on a bunch of shows, I look for those to put them into the show. I look through my email because I tend to, when I get an email, which is feedback for a show, I just snooze it in mailbox until the morning of the show because a lot of the time it's not really, it tends to be follow-up and I don't want to be looking at follow-up for all of the shows all of the time because that's too much to keep in my brain. So I just move them to the morning of the applicable show and then just start going through them all then. And then this takes me up to, like, so I've got got the document all done and everything that I need to do is taken care of. Um, Sometimes I will then pass over to my co-host and say, my stuff's in, have a look at it, flesh it out, add some more stuff if you want to. And then about 10 minutes before uh, we go live, I make sure I have all of the documents I need in front of me. So like the show outline, uh, the sponsor reads, and have all of those in front and all correct. Uh, Then I start a new post in our CMS to add links as we record, and that's it. Then the recording begins. So that is is my my little system. It's quite the workflow. I, I feel like when I started writing this down... Uh, I felt like I was more organized than I believed I was. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't yeah. realize that I had a real system for it, but but I do have a system. system for it. Yeah, I've been using the Notes app. Like you said, it's been very effective for me. I I use it to, to manage um, the links that we use on virtual. Uh, I use it for Mac Stories Weekly. I save all the links there. I, I have an iOS 9 review folder for with all my research. And the, the big reason why I keep using it is that it's just so fast and reliable. I mean, iCloud Sync. All my changes are consistently always there. And of course, it's, it was one of the first apps to support uh, multitasking on the iPad. So I could load up uh, the WDC uh, session videos on the video videos app on iOS, which I never ever used, but now it's being useful to watch videos and take notes at the same time. Um, I'm really <laughs> excited about notes. Uh, it's it's been a nice upgrade, and I'm I'm surprised, Mike, that you that you that you like. You mentioned just in passing uh, the Markdown preview. What is it that you like about Markdown previews? I just like being able to preview my notes in Markdown. I, I know that sounds a little bit weird, but, but the other the other thing is, oh, the other part is, let's say I've written an outline in Markdown. If I go into a Markdown preview in drafts and copy that, mm-hmm. when I paste it into Google Docs, oh, mm-hmm. it maintains the formatting for Google Docs. Yeah, I, I had a suspicion there was a, a copy and paste related benefit for you. Yeah. Because I know that you, that you go insane if the formatting is not the same. In Google Docs, it really yeah. annoys you, and I understand because I, it also annoys me when formatting is not properly, you know, displayed. Yeah. So I, I understand. Very nice, Mike. Yeah, I like my formatting to be all nice and clean and clear and and like crisp and just right. Like I like to have the formatting. Like if I've sat and done the outline 
in Markdown with like nested uh, points and stuff like that. You know, like I've got like bullets and nested bullets. The reason I do that is because then when I bring it over into Google Docs, I want it to be the same, right? I want it to maintain all of that. Uh, but if and if it doesn't, then I get a bit annoyed about it. Yeah. So that, there you go. That's that. It's a mixed bag. It's going to do something a little special and talk about some of our the ways that we work and some of our thoughts and feelings on our magical fiftieth episode. Um, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. And we'll have our links and everything. There's lots of links today over at relay.fm/connected/fifty. Uh, if you want to find us online, there's a few ways that you can do that. You can find Federico at maxstories.net and he is at Fatici V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter Stephen is over at 512pixels.net and he is I-S-M-H on Twitter I am at iMike I-M-Y-K-E and I host a bunch of shows over at Relay FM over at Relay.fm on the web which is uh, where you'll find this show along with many of our others as well all of our other shows actually all the great shows at Relay.fm. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors this week, Todoist, Igloo, and Fracture. Go support them if you want to help support us. Uh, every little helps. It really, really does. Uh, but most of all, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Adios.